Welcome to the KMOX Home Improvement Show. Presented by Suburban Leisure Center. The place with the big red chair. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. And good morning. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Three hours today. Home improvement. Bring it on. Bring it in. Bring it early. Bring it plenty. Phone lines 314-436-7900. Scott Mosby here on the KMOX Home Improvement Show. Three hours following the famous Mike Miller and the KMOX Garden Hotline. What a treat been many years since I followed Mike uh, in an adjacent show and you know golly now I guess the Mosby Gardens and Lawn have yet again another chance at life yeah it's great to be following Mike and I'm here for the next three hours at least today it is don't know how long that'll go but we're going to run it while we can and try and fix your homes in everything related to your health your safety the coming winter don't miss that coming winter we are now in fall and uh, it's important that we recognize that changing uh, temperatures, changing seasons, leaves falling from the trees, all the things we've shifted from flood, drought, or drought, and then flood, and then drying again, then really, really hot. Now we're going into the beautiful part of time around the Midwest and St. Louis. Phone lines again for us to get together here this morning, 314-436-7900, toll-free 800-925-1120. The format, three hours, give us a call, and ask your question, or offer your advice to previous questioners, and we will together, as the KMOX listening family is, try and move all of this ahead together for our own health, safety, and security. Security it is as we get into the coming years. Uh, Daylight savings time will be on us here in about a month, five weeks or so, and those mornings will go on a little bit longer in the dark. So uh, outdoor lighting, uh, illuminating, highlighting various things about your home, uh, security, things like that. Uh, For ladies that are used to putting cosmetics on, you understand the concepts of this, whether you realize it or not. With outdoor lighting, it's important to illuminate or bring out the best positive features of the outdoor, of the front of the house usually, or the back, or the side, or the pool, or the fence, or a beautiful tree that's uh, uniquely tall and majestic. We can't uh, make trees, folks. Uh, Mother Nature, that's her handiwork, but by golly, we can sure flip the light on and make sure that beautiful structure of a tree canopies out over the house. So all those things, up lights for tall trees, uh, walk paths for lower, as well as good features around the house. Uh, Might be a cupola, might be a stunning front door. Uh, Front doors are a little tough, because uh, stepping out of the inside of the home, what illuminates the outside of the house may be a, a wonderful front uh, porch and front door. The problem is if you answer the door and those lights are just shining in your eyes, it's not good because that's not a good security practice. It's important that you be able to see before you open the door and after you open the door uh, what's happening on your front porch and welcoming and greeting guests as they come into your home. Uh, 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. Let's not miss the simple things, low-hanging fruit, uh, some of the uh, uh, long-time, don't miss the basics, deadbolts. 
window locks, screens, thresholds, weather stripping around windows and doors, all those things that don't seem important now when we're lovely, uh, sharing this lovely weather outdoors, opening the windows, sleeping with the windows open. Maybe a little chilly this morning, but, uh, you know, who's counting? Uh, So anyway, opening up those windows and changing the air. It is important to change the air year-round, summer, winter, especially spring and fall. The point being that building materials are made in factories, many of them from organic materials like lumber, but many also like carpet, cabinets, a lot of the glues that go into making trims and plywood. Those are made from chemicals. Off-gassing, O-F-F-G-A-S-S-I-N-G, off-gassing, or as those chemical compounds cure, dry, uh, age, whatever, just like you and I perspire and exhale, all those building materials do too. And in a very tightly closed up house, it's important that we change that air, freshen the air, replace that air, so that we're getting rid of those unwanted parts of the uh, environment and bringing in fresh new air. Oftentimes in the fall when people are mulching leaves or in the spring when pollen is flying, it's kind of tough to open those windows without putting a coat of dust or pollen or anything all over your house. So realize these quiet mornings when we start our day on these great weathers, just a perfect opportunity to open the windows, yet keep those screens in and indeed uh, take care of our homes to our satisfaction. Let's go right to the phone lines here, see what's happening with my buddy David. Hey, David, good morning. Welcome to KMOX, my friend. How can I help? I have a bay window that has an old copper roof on it that needs attention. I want. Can I sand that thing down to get gently to get to the copper? Uh, or, yes. Is uh, it painted? Yeah. Ouch. Um, be careful. Sometimes those copper roofs, uh, the lead joints or the standing folded seams start leaking and then uh, painters hired to come caulk the thing up and paint it. So be aware that uh, hopefully you know the history, but you can indeed uh, strip that paint. Uh, I wouldn't advise too much on the sanding here, uh, David, because uh, not because you'll wear through the copper. I mean, you can eventually, but the patterns of that etching, scratching, you know, it's kind of like a uh, a metallic dashboard in a car with the circular lines. You have to really know what you're doing. To get that paint off, the answer is yes. It can be scraped very gently. Um, I would then apply probably more uh, paint stripper than I would sanding. Uh, make sure you chemically remove all that you can and then go after whatever's there. Be aware that you'll know it when you're pressing it um, how thick that copper is. Uh, how old is that roof, David? How old is that copper? 90 years old. Yeah, that stuff's pretty thick. It's the it's the recent years of cupolos where you get some of that paper-thin copper. That old copper you can probably get at with just about anything you want to do. Just be careful that once you sand that, um, you will leave an etched, scratched surface pattern, and you will have to be very intentional with what you want that to look like. Um, so, for example, it's like painting a door. You go with the grain. Well, once you start sanding that <clears throat> that copper roof, you will wind up with a grain. Um, and I would suggest that go forward to back, just straight up and down, and you may even need to make a sanding block for those last, oh, 20 strokes of sanding that copper roof. 
What type of sandpaper? Uh, very fine. I would use a garnet uh, when the time comes, and I would use a grit that is somewhere uh, one uh, higher than 120, 120 to 150. 120 will really scratch it pretty abruptly and help remove some of that old paint. 150 gets closer to uh, not really polishing, but lightly um, like paintbrush strokes, uh, fine enough. So one one fifty to one twenty, basically one fifty would be the finish. Okay, we're gonna give a shot. Thank you. Uh, all right, hey, try it on the side first uh, uh, before you hit this thing on the very front, uh, right out there in front of God and everybody. You might want to do the one right next to the siding, <laughs> that one little section there, and just see how it goes. Good, good tip. Thank you. All right, David. Take care. Scott Mosby, home improvement three hours today, going up till 1 p.m. when your retirement professionals comes on. Uh, we are live and lively in Mike Miller's words. Please bring the phone calls on. I know a little early, racking you out of bed a bit this morning. 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. Scott Mosby, at your service here on KMOX. This is the KMOX Home Improvement Show. Presented by Suburban Leisure Center. The place with the big red chair. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. All right, back together home improvement it is. Three full hours today. Bring it on, bring it plenty, bring it now. 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. Let's go right down the phone lines here and talk to my friend Marie. Marie, good morning. Welcome to KMOX. How may I help? Yes, uh, good morning, Scott. Um, Last year we got new gutters on the house, and uh, we had to get a new downspout installed because there was too much weight on um, the front gutter. Um, So I have a bunch of uh, foundation plantings, about five, it extends about five feet from the house. So we attached, at least for now, a one of those black tubes from the end of the downspout out into the yard, but that's not a good solution. And I can see that you know, where the water comes out, there's going to be like a, a big hole from the water. So what what do you recommend for a solution to that? Well, that big hole is going to happen uh, somewhere. Uh, so it's kind of pick your poison. <laughs> where, where do you want mm. that ugly eroded hole to happen, kind of? Um, so I'm going to advocate for uh, burying that pipe, a uh, white plastic pipe, not the black stuff, but... Uh, move it, it, it instead of it being 10 feet long it might be 30 or 40 feet long and run it out maybe forward into your yard and then sideways to the side of the yard and discharge that pipe 10 feet or more away from the property line of your neighbor so that you are able to do that um, without cr- creating another water problem for them most of the setback requirements require downspouts and outlets of drainage to uh, be 10 feet or more back now to to uh, soften that hole and if you want it to happen right where it is uh, sometimes it's a great source of water for the plants you can uh, dig that hole a little bit deeper line it with a landscape fabric and fill it full of a gravel and make what's effectively a sump s-u-m-p is in paul so the water flows out and the debris, um, and it'll it'll sit there on the rocks, but the gravel then fills up like a little lake, dissipates the water out into the soil, 
and be careful because it really needs to be far enough away from your foundation that it doesn't uh, just uh, direct this water down into your basement for a leaking basement. Mm-hmm. So, so bury it. Either way, bury it. Bring it out into the yard where it could get. It, we could use some watering because the face is the hottest part of the house, and then have it come out into some gravel, and and let yes. that gravel just break up the water, disperse it. Yeah. Is that well, there's another thing, or you. Yeah, that's exactly correct. Now you can pick your poison because that hole, that sump, the shape of that thing, you could make that. 10 or 20 feet wide and 2 feet deep um, and cover it with mulch if you wanted. The, the point being is you can disperse that and this now we're flirting around with what's called a rain garden, an underground rain garden. If the water comes, so think of this as a rain barrel dug into mm-hmm. the yard to save, collect, and disperse all that water for your plants. So uh uh, think of it as an irrigation uh, ditch like it would be for raising crops. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, there you okay. go. I mean, this, this, this water's free. It's Yeah, it's coming down off the roof. You just need to keep it far enough away from the foundation. But it's your water, and by golly, it's good water. Okay, then. Great. Thank you so much. Okay. Take care. Fun to talk. Thanks, uh-huh, Marie. Scott Mosby, Home Improvement. Again, a uh, little bit of my brown, sometimes green thumb. I don't know much about raising plants or growing plants, but I understand they need water, and I've seen where water goes too much and too little. Uh, further advice, I, adv- I advise calling next Saturday Mike Miller, the KMOX Garden Hotline. Uh, he knows way more than this construction guy. Uh, the, but the point being that rain gardens... And uh, think of this, so MSD Metropolitan Sewer District, whom I uh, advertise, the knowyourzone.org, but part of their thing is, okay, all the water that falls on St. Louis is pretty good stuff. How can we keep it and use it, which their interest is slow down the fabulous, the the really uh, rapid runoff that is a problem in erosion, carrying debris, and then flooding, what if every roof had a water garden, which is basically uh, rain barrels at all the downspouts, but you don't have to look at a rain barrel above ground. You can actually bury these and create your own water tubs. Uh, we've been involved in bu- building uh, rain gardens and patios as well as fountains <clears throat> where some of those buried rain barrels or rain gardens or water cavities you know might be as deep as eight feet and as far you know 12 feet 12 feet by eight feet deep it's basically a huge cistern but the water comes off the roof and rather than being for potable water as it might be out in rural areas we keep it and then pump it uh, oftentimes in a low pressure irrigation system so a lot of fun things to do with water when you have the blessing of living in st louis when a lot of it comes hard and fast well, keep in mind, even those rain gardens have to have a pressure relief or overflow zone because this past summer when we get 10, 12 inches, you know, in hours, 
golly, everything gets overrun. So those rain gardens fill up, and then there has to be some roll-off grade where the water then is able to move somewhere effectively. Uh, next up, let's see who, who else is up here and been waiting uh, patiently. Uh, let's see. Uh, let's go to, how about Randy's been waiting the longest. Randy, good morning. Welcome to Cam Wex, and how can I help you here this morning? Well, thanks. Yeah, thanks for taking the call, Scott. Hey, I'm replacing a uh, bathroom window in a home um that is was a new construction window i have ordered and received a replacement window that doesn't have the flange yeah so my question is is what is the easiest way without removing the siding or the j channel around the outside of the window to remove the existing window flange solid sawzall um okay it is not fun it is not graceful um but that's it and even some of the old steel windows from the 30s uh some of those flanges get uh, torn out Uh, i will say that flashing that window uh, gets a little bit tough if you don't open the siding around it Uh, what kind of siding do you have surrounding this it's just a double overlap of vinyl siding um but I didn't know if I could maybe get my rotor zip tool and yeah. and and kind of do that and cut the flange and then take the window out. Uh, but if I do that and I don't remove the J, then yeah, how do I weatherproof that outside? Just caulk around the J and uh, and the window? No, on a bathroom window especially, uh, it's really important that you flash this. When I say flash, um, here, here rule number one: everything leaks. The bottom of windows leaks, the bottom of doors leak, you know, so a, a threshold on a door water will get below it. So flashing, oftentimes homes built 100 years ago had a copper um, pan, P-A-N, with a bent up uh, L-shape and on the two left side and right and the one nearest the, the floor on the inside of the house. And it sat right. down a half inch below the floor and then the new the door sill, the window sill, the door threshold, whatever it was, sits down in that pan. Water gets in underneath those screws or around that threshold, hits that pan, drains out, no foul, no water, no leak. You follow what right. I'm saying? Oh, I, I, I think I do. So the flashing tape should really go over the vinyl window and then onto the wall and then put yeah. your J back on there and uh, you should be good to go then. Yeah, I want you to go to Tyvek.com, T-Y-V-E-K, and look at their uh, Tyvek WRB weather-resistant barrier, um, and that's they will show you a flashing tape sequence where the first application of flashing tape, probably six inches deep, because you need it yeah. to go through the, the the framing. This is on top of the framing before the window ever goes in, after you've already removed the window from the flange. Flanges may still be there. Um, right. And this tape lays in left to right, goes up about three or four inches on the left side and the right side, wraps out over the face, ugly, Mm -hmm. of your vinyl siding. Um, And those two side pieces, all of this tucks over your flange that you cut up and behind the best you can, that J-channel. You following me there? Oh, I I am. Uh, But it sounds like (laughs) to me... (laughs) It sounds like to me, if I have to do that, then it's probably just as easy to take the siding loose and J-channel off and, and remove the, the flange or the nails or whatever and just take the window out. 
Yeah, you're you're catching you're catching on, brother. That's exactly. Yeah. How many knuckles do you want to bust in this process for a half good well, process, or do you want to go yeah. in and be able to control all that stuff carefully, slowly? And if it starts raining, you just stop. You don't come back to right. Well, well, the problem is it's 16 feet up in the air uh, on the back of the house, so uh, you know I got to do everything from an extension ladder. So it oh, just man. gets a little tricky. Yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah, so, it does. I didn't know if there was a simpler way, but uh, I kind of had my thoughts that it probably isn't the right way to go. But Yeah, bathroom anyway. windows are really important to get moisture right because there's so much moisture. Sometimes those windows are in the shower or tub area. You know, just and, you know, it's St. Louis. My golly, we got, what, 12 inches in X number of hours this summer? Who would have thought that? Exactly. <laughs> now, do I use a, a non-expansion foam around the, the, the quarter-inch gap I'm going to have around the framing? Yes, if, only if only if you're really good at it, uh, i.e. <laughs> um, practice before two or three times because um, non-expansion really means minimal expansion. Um, and right. if this is a is this a fixed window that will not open? No, it or does will it open. open. Okay. Yep. Well, then yep. you have to be very careful. Um, and when you foam it, even minimally expansive, uh, another reason for you to go up on this 16-foot ladder, brother, uh, take shims <laughs> up there and around, yeah, around the outside of that window sash. Um, this is mostly yep. for beginners. Take shims, wooden shims or plastic shims, and shim the gap around that movable sash between the frame and the sash, whatever that is. Make that a consistent eighth of an inch all around because that foam's going to try and, try and squeeze that frame, even minimally expansive frame, in tight on that uh, sash and keep it or make it really difficult to open. So, uh, yeah, would I, would it be better off just using a, a good grade silicone and put it in there versus foam? No, it, it, the foam is much better, no question, because okay. it does fill okay. gaps. You just have to be very careful. You know, as a man, you know, if one nail's good, three nails is better, we have to kind of fight our, you know, DNA. Oh, yeah. oh, you know, yeah. Just like, you know, keep that power in the pocket thing. You know, it's like, oh, baby, okay. here we go. So, okay. yeah, but that's well, it. Well, thanks. Uh, thanks for the uh, bad news. But, uh, yeah, I guess I'll have to get the ladder out and get up there. So, Well, here, here, let me give you the other side of the coin. Um you can shortcut this and make this easy and then just get to do it again in another two years, you know, so pick right. your poison. Yeah, exactly. Well, I appreciate it. All right. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, Randy. Good luck, friend. Scott Mosby, Home Improvement. There we go, showing you a little bit of the math. Um, you know, and if you think it's expensive to do a quality job the first time, Try doing it a second time and see how much you save. Well, it's the same in do-it-yourself. It's the same in purchasing professional installed anything. If you shortcut or you miss a piece or you don't quite gather what that right thing is to do next, oh, that three-headed snake will sneak up behind you and just bite you right in the tail. There you go. So get her done, do it right the first time, and then you can enjoy it all into the future. Scott Mosby, Home Improvement, KMOX, phone lines 314-436-7900-800-925-1120, having maybe too much fun here in the corner studio at KMOX. Right here, we'll be right back after this. Oh, yeah, there we go. Oh, Moonwalk, check it out. Look at my stage. Like, you, oh, you didn't know I could do that, did you? A little backwards Moonwalk cross. What? Oh, it's radio. Never mind. Scott Mosby, right here, Camo X, having a little bit too much fun, stuck in the corner here, corner studio. Let's see who's on the line. 
And let's talk with my buddy Wally. Hey, Wally, good morning. Welcome to KMOX. How can I help, friend? Hey, Scott, thanks for taking uh, my call. Say, about 18 months ago, we had our house repainted by a professional painter. Mm-hmm. And uh, the trim stayed the same color, brown, dark brown. Uh, and, and he used, uh, he just painted over it. But we experienced about six months or so after that bubbling on the fascia. And it was on the south and west side of the house. And so I asked him, and he came back the other day and finally fixed it. But I asked him what caused the bubbling. And he said he didn't know. And I'm thinking, I don't think that's a good answer. So I thought maybe I'd ask you what you thought bubbling would happen on the fascia. What would cause that? Uh, what was the fascia made of? What kind of material? Wood or metal? It's just, it's just wood. Yeah, just wood. Uh, it may be on bubbling like that. Uh, that is exactly what happens with paint stripper. And paint stripper is a solvent-based something that goes over the top and then loosens what's underneath it. It is possible that they used a very good quality um, oil-based, or it could even be water-based, but something in that paint that either the primer or the paint on the top coat reacted and melted into the paint below, uh, causing a gas. The gas bubbled and you know it's just how it was it's kind of the it was a chemical reaction between the top coat and the existing old paint coat uh and it happens uh, all the time it's this is not uh i mean coatings now is a game for chemists <laughs> uh, it it's a big deal I, I, mean. I was just surprised at the answer of he didn't know being a professional painter for 25 years well, he does know. He he just didn't know chemically why it happened. You know, it's like, all right, I put a I put a paint over the top of something. It ate into the old paint. It bubbled, and you know, it, yeah, it's kind of is. And, and oftentimes, that's why. Um, sometimes you'll uh, uh, take a, an existing piece of trim to the paint store and say, you know, design a primer and top coat paint for me. Most painters understand how to do that themselves. But, you know, if you guess wrong, and it happens to the best painters, too. I mean, sometimes you bubble it because we have so many really, really high-quality coatings out there. You know, 10 years, 12 years, 14 years. Those paint coatings will last that long. But the bond in Uh the old paint underneath will not. You you see what I mean? Uh So you've you've got the material quality warranty. Then you've got the performance warranty which is what you really receive. Well, you know, you you know, you take a Ferrari, you know, into a Model T yeah. garage in 1928, you're probably not going to get, you know, a long-lasting car. <laughs> well, I, and then I'm I'm assuming that it's likely going to continue until whatever's done is done because it did get worse over over the over a period of time. Yeah, sometimes so. it does and sometimes you just have to scrape that stuff off so badly and then put an isolating primer on it uh you know which and this is really getting into chemistry because uh there are old paints um uh for example uh, there is milk fat paint which in the 1920s there's oil-based paint well they used to use milk fat paint back in the 1800s where you know there were cows all around it was a rural agronomy you know a rural uh, society so they just took butter fat cream out of the jug and started putting um pigment into it lo and behold that stuff lasts a long time 
you know, because wow. uh, organic, just like hide glue, you know, it's organic glue, stuff lasts forever. The point being that 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 existing coat of paint or what's underneath that top existing coat of paint, yeah, anything can happen. Sometimes you just have to strip those yeah. puppies off and just, you know, get at it, Wally. Well, thanks so much, Scott. I appreciate your time and your answer. Yeah, and it, it probably will continue, so keep your eyes on it. And, you know, good painters just come back, and they'll take care of it, and they just grin and bear it and a little embarrassed. But the reality is, you know, some of the, the older your house is and the more times it's been painted, um, somewhere in that process might have had a do-it-yourself or painting it with the wrong stuff for sure. <laughs> All right, sounds good, my friend. Thank All right, take, take care, Wally. Bye-bye. Home Improvement, Scott Mosby, KMOX. Uh, Stay tuned, three hours. We're going all the way till 1 o'clock today right here on KMOX. I'm having a little more fun than I should, so if I get a little windy, let me know. Let's talk with my friend Martha. Hey, Martha, good morning. How can I help? I have um, live in a house that is 50 years old. Okay. In one room, there is wood paneling on two adjoining walls. And it is dark. Okay. I'm wondering whether I should have it painted or stained in a lighter color. Can you give me your thoughts on this? Uh, what do the other two walls look like? Are they nicely painted? Well, it's open to the kitchen, so there's you know oh. one <laughs> one other wall that is painted. Okay. Um, drywall. Um, when you press on that paneling, does it flex as if it's the only thing on that wall, or would you think there might be some drywall behind it where you kind of knock on it? It's pretty solid. Well, it's solid wood. It doesn't flex mm-hmm. at all. I don't okay. know the drywall behind it. Uh, oh. But it, it, it's solid wood paneling. Uh, I, I'll be honest with you. I tend to paint those. Um, you, what happens is you pull them off the wall, uh, the drywall back on. It's a big deal. It's dusty. I mean, here's the thing. If you paint it and it doesn't work, Martha, then you're out a little paint and you go back and try something else. But I like the character of wood. Um, I, I, if If you had a really good painter and you were willing to spend a whole lot of money, you could restain that um, wood. So I would find a really good painter, somebody that you trust, and if you have somebody that's been coming into your home for a while, ask them that question, because a really good painter can use kind of a semi-opaque stain, which is half paint, half stain. So you get a little bit of, you can always make it a little darker, but you can't really make it too lighter. It's too much lighter, so that's why I'm saying you may have to paint it. Because if it's already too dark, it's it's going to be hard to put a semi-opaque stain over it and make it look better. Um, okay. I did so. ask one painter about it, mm-hmm. and he said using paint will show all the imperfections because this is a groove paneling. I mean, there's yeah. a board that is approximately 8 inches wide, and then there's a 1-inch space and then another eight-inch board, mm. and it is um, put on like lap—the one piece lapped over the other. Oh, it's like a siding then. 
Well, I I don't know if you call it that, but it is. It's like about uh, close to an inch thick. Okay. Does it go up and down with the boards or left and right? No, up and down. Okay, I know what you're dealing with now. Um, that actually does paint out pretty well, and it will indeed show every blemish. Uh, uh-huh. And typically it will require a rather, uh, you can do a dry brush uh, coating over that. So basically you paint the, the paneling, you look at it, and all those blemishes look terrible. Then there's a dry brush finishing, and this gets into faux finishing, F-A-U-X, which basically mm-hmm. is kind of a... a really attractive looking uh second or third coat uh dry brush would actually show uh-huh. a slight brush and it actually accentuates the blemishes so all of the grits the um the knots and such <laughs> tend to um anyway so it really it's uh and this goes back into the 50s where there were painters and then there were decorators and decorators were kind of a cut above the painters and they know how to do all these you know uh-huh. um, fancy coatings not so many of them around today but um that that paneling um is uh rare uh and you know again if you paint it and you don't like it you tear it off put the drywall up the, the issue that you face though is that stuff's an inch thick and your new drywall's a half of an inch thick so now all of your trims around those two walls look a little different because your window might stick out an inch and your drywall only comes out half okay. an inch. So, so sometimes you have to fur the wall out so the drywall comes out at the same plane as your old mm-hmm. paneling. So Okay. But um, you wouldn't recommend like using like a minwood stain no. or something like that for color? No. No. no, that and that that paint or what's on that siding may be shellac based, a yellowed version of alcohol clear coat. Um, well, it looks like it looks like it may be bare wood. Hmm. Wow. Then anything. Yeah, you're going to have to follow the painter on that. Just. Um, okay. uh, yeah, uh, it, it, they can usually get a, a similar piece of wood species and show you two or three coatings. The problem is that this is a kind of thing that interior designers, interior decorators do all the time, uh, that, you know, in, you can paint the wall for $500 or you can refinish those two walls for 3000 you know, because you're going to yeah. spend, you know, 50 man hours, you know, uh, doing mm-hmm. what a paintbrush covers, you know, in a few hours. Okay. Yeah. Thanks for your advice. Yeah, but since it comes off your kitchen and it's part of that character, I might be willing to go a little too far financially to see how this thing goes because uh, the, that's where the spice in life comes from. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right, Thank Martha. You. All right. Take Bye. care. Bye. Scott Mosby, home improvement. Uh, kind of a neat opportunity there. Uh, we're going to take a short pause come back for more on University of KMOX. This is the KMOX Home Improvement Show. Presented by Suburban Leisure Center. The place with the big red chair. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Okay, welcome back. Home Improvement, Scott Mosby, KMOX. Let's go with my friend Mary. Good morning, Mary. How can I help you this fine day on University of KMOX? Good morning. I have a problem with a leak in my living room by the fireplace. Okay. Tell me more. I had a new roof put on in 2017, and okay. the roof started leaking a month after it was put on. Oh, my. 
The company has come back over and over again. They do a little something, and then they leave, but it keeps leaking. It keeps coming back. Did they replace the flashing around your chimney when they re-roofed the house? I would think they did, but I don't know. Yeah, here, here's kind of what happens. <clears throat> uh, a new roof uh, is like, uh, well, there is flashing, and there's a metal intersection between the chimney, which is the walls go straight up and down, and the roof, which is kind of horizontal. So to keep the water from flowing between the joint where the roof shingles stop, you know, they can't really bend around the corner very well. Uh, so there's a metal flashing piece that goes up onto the either the brick or under the siding, whatever it is, and that's where most of the flaws are, especially on a re-roof situation. So, Mary, when you have a new roof done, uh, and you really, this is, this is I, I apologize because this is where our industry kind of fails. Um, a roofing company says, I'll, I'll put a new roof on and I warranty it. Well, they put a new roof on and the material is installed correctly. But they didn't quite go far enough because, you know, the new roof might be $3,000 and new flashing with a new roof might be $4,000. So they say, well, I, you know, I, I can sell 3000 They probably won't buy four. Well, the issue is you really need to take that old flashing off. It's very difficult on some roof lines. And some of those old flashings, they just don't bend out of the way very well. Sometimes you fatigue the metal, it breaks. So I'm pretty confident that this has to do with flashing around your chimney. Uh, Roof shingles are probably in great shape. Uh, were applied uh, reliably and responsibly, but the intersection between flashing and what it means is stripping that roof off around about two feet, three feet, all the way around that shingle, uh, taking the metal flashing off, putting on new flashing, and then re-roofing up to that new material. Um, And uh, I, I would ask them questions about the flashing and whether that needs to be replaced because it it didn't leak before. I'm assuming it didn't leak before. Then you got a new roof, and now it does. Is that a fair description? Yes. Is it any one you can recommend to do it? Because I am not in good standings with the people that did the roof. Yeah, they're probably not in good standings with you either. So, yeah, I'm sorry for that. Um, Yes, the problem is when you get into just flashing, um, you can spend as much on the flashing uh, because it's it's slow. It's time consuming. Uh, You're welcome to call our company. We can recommend a roofer for you or a flasher. Do you have any relationship or know anybody that does sheet metal um, around your home or a personal friend or anything like that? No, I don't. Okay. Uh, Give us a call, uh, 314-909-1800. We have a referral program, uh, and uh, flashing is an art. Roofing is a trade, uh, and there's a lot to roofing. But when you um, intermingle and connect a roof with a siding or a wall or a vertical chimney, whether it's brick, stone, or whatever material, that gets into art. That, That... that's largely why I'm on KMOX here is understanding how this water works. So you need new flashing. That's what you're looking for. And see if you can get somebody from Mosby. We keep a uh, spreadsheet for that uh, okay. to recommend somebody. Thank you so much. Mary, you're not alone. This is, uh, I'm sure there are a thousand heads out there in KMOXville shaking their head up and down saying, oh, I, I, I want that same uh, name uh, because it's, it's easy to roof and it's magically hard to flash. <laughs> okay. All right. Take care. Thank you so much. You bet. Bye. Bye now. 
And uh, even to that, uh, to tell you personal, uh, I bought a house, uh, a used house, and this goes back in uh, 2000, and I bought it from an existing homeowner. The homeowner had a a claim for uh, hail damage and had signed a contract for a new roof. Well, you know, Mosby Building Arts does new roofs, so I understood that, but he was already contracted and they already put it up. I went through exactly the same problem Wally had. It wasn't until I had somebody from our company go up and strip this thing apart, put it back together with the right flashing, that I had a roof that would last. Anyway, stay tuned for the next two hours right here on KMOX.